0: Because I had a bunch of very impressive stuff going on, um, but was really empty, you know. And once I got clear and dealt with my own shit that I was dealing with at the time and had to rebuild a life and lost a lot of relational collateral about it, around it, and needed to rebuild a life, I was realizing I'm not going to rebuild anything unless I really want it. And I don't know if I want it unless I'm really with it. Hmm. So how do I build the life I want now versus a life that looks good?
1: Hello, my friends, Chad here. I'm curious, have you ever thought to yourself as you've listened to this podcast, have you ever thought to yourself, I wonder what makes these guys tick, Dan and Adrian? I wonder what their history is that allows them to talk from such experience. And I think we've neglected in our conversations to talk a lot about their background and history. Sure, there's a, there's a story that shows up every once in a while. So I wanted to share with you this interview with Adrian from Kyle Depius' podcast, Reaching Beyond. It's such a great interview with Adrian, and Kyle does a brilliant job at bringing all these stories out and these ideas and philosophies that really make Adrian tick. But really quick, before I push play on that podcast episode, I just wanted to check in with you. I know we've been having some episode replays, and we're also posting some interviews from other podcasts. I wanted to just let you know that we're working behind the scenes to really refine the message that we give here on Naked Leadership. We are completely committed to bringing you value every single time we drop an episode on this podcast. So next month, you can count on all new episodes, brand new conversations around topics and ideas that a lot of you have given to us. We can't wait for this new phase of focus within the work of Naked Leadership, and we're so grateful to have you along for the ride. Now, let's dive into Reaching Beyond, an interview with Adrian Kaler.
2: Welcome to the Reaching Beyond podcast, where we are helping you find the balance between a meaningful life and a life filled with achievements. My name is Kyle DePius, and each week I have the honor of bringing an inspiring conversation with a guest who is living a life of fulfillment, both at work and outside of work, because we shouldn't have to sacrifice our personal balance sheet for our professional balance sheet. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Reaching Beyond podcast. My name is Kyle Depius, and I'm your host, and I have got a fantastic guest for you today. His name is Adrian Kaler. He's a leadership engagement expert, and he coaches executives and entrepreneurs in the art and science of personal engagement for themselves, their teams, and clients in order to create new unprecedented results and experience fulfillment in their work. I love that word fulfillments. He has worked with um, corporations, small to medium-sized businesses, all different industries, startups. He's worked with founders, multinational corporations, higher ed, you name it. He's got a very wide and broad range of experience and clients he works with. Now, I have to be 100% honest and transparent with you guys. I get a lot of podcast pitches for leadership coaches, to come on to my podcast. And the answer is 99% of the time, no. But Adrian, he's just got, you you guys will know soon, you'll soon find out why uh, I really wanted to have Adrian on. And, you know, there's a lot of leadership coaches out there. And I think that's great. Uh, I just don't want to have my podcast be flooded with leadership coaches, but I'm having Adrian in in this conversation because he's phenomenal. You guys are going to be blown away. The topics that we talk about, not limited to, but I think the three that I really wanted to share and highlight with you guys, number one, deconstructing the inner framework of a high performer. Number two, and this is really good. This is probably my favorite part, but this is where we talk about... Adrian gives tough love, no BS coaching on what to do if you feel stuck and or disconnected from your work. You guys, that is so good. You're probably going to have to pause that section and play it back. Third one, why work-life balance is a sham and what to focus on instead. And he gives a great tip for parents there. So your parents, if you're a parent, you're really going to enjoy that. So I don't want to delay this any further. But if you're interested in what Adrian's doing, you can grab some of the links that are in the show notes. Follow him personally. Uh, go take a look at the website where where he's working with uh, a team of others and just putting some great stuff out there. He's got a few different events and seminars and conferences coming up for you to get involved in and engaged with and plug into. And highly recommend it. Again, find those links in the show notes. But without any further delay. Here is my conversation with Adrian Kaler. All right. Hey, Adrian, welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today? Kyle, so good to be here, man. I'm great good uh we were just jamming for about 15 minutes before we hit record and i felt like we could have just kept going but we're like hey we're here to record a podcast we, we, should, probably we, should, a podcast. we should probably do yeah, a podcast
0: we should probably do a podcast well I'm other people should... exist other people out there exist let's consider them it's yeah. not just
2: you and me and golf and, and all those things but uh as much as we like it to be let's do a couple rapid fires We'll keep, we'll keep it simple yeah. Uh, let's kind of let the guest catch up on on who you are a little bit. And uh, we'll just start with some geography stuff. Where were you born?
0: Where's currently home? I was born in Southern Illinois. Um, grew up in a little town called Salem, Illinois. 7,800 people when everybody's home. You know, parents are both school teachers. I'm the youngest of two boys. It was all baseball and football and basketball. And And I I joke like I grew up in an episode of of Friday Night Lights. That was like my dad was the guy with the tight bike shorts and the whistle and all that. And uh, my mom, you know, led this singing at church, you know. So anyway, pretty idyllic, you know, upbringing, which I dug. And uh, now I live in what most people in that little town would call the godforsaken city of Los Angeles. But I've been out here for 15 years and love it. I had that uh, image
2: of those coaches and referees and those shorts that are made of like like oh, yeah. pure pure plastic, non-breathable, oh, yeah. oh, awful yeah. stuff. Oh, I remember yeah, those. Shake you. Yeah, yeah. Because we're the same age, so I, I we grew up around the same time. Everything, and I get it. I played sports too. Just had a horrible image in in my mind while you're saying that. Yep. But hey, we're you know
0: we'll, we'll move on from that. um Okay, married kids. What's the what's the story? Married. Right? Yeah, married, uh, recently married, right? married for the second time to an amazing woman named Allie Webb. And um, she's got two kids from her previous marriage, which are 17 and 15, Grant and Kit. They're awesome. And um, then mine from my first marriage, uh, eight and six, named Scout, is the boy. And then Charlie, Charlie's the only girl around the house uh, besides the cat. Um and we all, you know, so we live a very, a, a very complex reality where, you know, at some points, Ali and I are just here in this house by ourselves. And then some points it's four of us. And and then some points it's all six of us. And anyway, it's a it, it, life is always on the move over here. But yes, married happily. And I uh, just got married back in May. So oh, congratulations. Yeah, we are met you- five months before quarantine happened. So, okay. And we're both pretty type A, let's get something done type. So it's like when quarantine happened, there wasn't like a question, should we figure this out? It's more like, let's figure it out. And so moved in together and then, you know, moved into a different house during quarantine We realized this isn't going away away anytime soon, got some more space. And so set up camp here in in the heart of LA and we're loving it. Cool. Good. Well, you're a 42 year old with a couple
2: teenagers in the house. I'm a 42 year old with a five year old in the house. So we've, yeah. we've got, we've got, I could learn a little bit from you. I think here coming up in the future. Yeah, man. Um, what book are you, are you obviously, I, I know you're probably a reader, but what's a book that you're, maybe you're currently in and then hit us with a book that you've read recently that you really loved.
0: Yeah. Well, the one I just, we just got back, uh, a dear friend of mine invited us to go see the Rolling Stones in Stockholm. Because one of his best friends is the body man for Mick Jagger. So um, that was fun. Um, And in the airport, I'm like a sucker for, you you read me right. I'm a sucker for a book, for a bookstore. Anytime we walk by a bookstore, Ali tries to distract me because I'm going to go spend a lot of money in there. Um, And I'm a typical, you know, nonfiction reader. Give me the bullet points and like that. Like I'm always trying to pick up new frameworks, something I can play with. Mm -hmm. um this was a this is just sitting next to me on the desk i just started reading on the plane it's called animal joy it's interesting it's written by a shrink and she actually writes about authenticity really um but she's talking about uh laughter animal joy being laughter and kind of her own process and her own experimentation it's philosophically beautiful um so i'm digging this book it's by i don't know how to pronounce this n-u-a-r is her first name and al or Al-S-A-D-I-R, a-l-s-a-d-i-r is her last name i'm digging that just because i can tend to be maybe if i'm known for something i'm tend to be known as a pretty intense guy um so you know a book about laughter is always good for me it's good for the soul it's like oh yeah hey man remember re- re- it's light yeah. chill you know you can laugh yeah you can laugh yeah. you know and the more i laugh the more uh, it makes my other sides more effective, right? It's like a more of a nice balance. Yeah. I don't mind being a, you know, I've always like, you know, everybody t- traditionally finds evidence to support whatever their dogma is. Mm-hmm. So I was always like uh, reading, you know, Winston Churchill, where serious men taking in serious challenges. I'm like, okay, I'll just be that guy. And then everybody else can do the entertainment stuff. I'll just like be the guy. Um, so anyway, that's a a book I'm digging right now. It's mm. kind of fun. It's a it's an it's a counterintuitive type of read for me. Cool. Good. Um, uh, other other books. I'm just looking even around me. You asked like, what's one?
2: Yeah, somewhat recent.
0: Somewhat recent. Last time I was in an airport. <laughs> um, 101 essays that'll change your that'll change the way you think. I'm a sucker for that type of title. 101 essays that'll change the way you think. I'm always up for challenging my assumptions. Yeah learning something new that's really mm. um i love that book it's it's fascinating and it's written in a way that's really digestible it's like a you know 101 quick reads small, yeah. small yeah. chapters a quick read yeah i like um, that you know the a book i always uh invite my clients to read is the book called the courage to be disliked um which isn't what the the title's catchy um and frightening for most people Mm -hmm. but uh, it's not actually about that it's actually around it's a survey of Adlerian psychology which is very distinct you know two schools of thought back then Freud and Adler Freud got all the ink because I think he wrote about reality in a way that the human mind likes which is I'm a victim of circumstance and Mm -hmm. I am my history they call that an etiological view Adler didn't get the ink because he called people into courage and it was a it was a um teleological view which is like i am my purpose i am my future which takes a lot more guts to live that way yeah. so but anyway the courage to be disliked it sold like five million copies mostly in japan uh which is where the two authors are but it's an allegory an old philosopher and a young man the old philosophers helping the young guy figure out his home life and figure out his purpose it's a quick read as well but i have all my new clients read it just because it gets them into a future a future thinking state Mm, Um, which is essential for anybody that's going to like working with me.
2: Yeah. I like that. I wrote that down a little more serious.
0: How do you, how do you define success? Wow. How do I define it for myself or for, for yourself? Yeah. Um, being honest, I think how do I define success? I, I definitely don't see it as accumulation of stuff. Um, I definitely don't see it as, and what could we accumulate? We could accumulate things themselves or a nice house and a nice car and fancy trips and all that stuff that we do and we have, and it's great. Um, but if you're not honest with yourself, it's all going to be miserable and it's just the foil, right? It's like the, it's a part of the persona or the image and that you're projecting out there. And, and people might know that that's insincere for you, um, but you're going to end up not knowing yourself very well or spending a lot of your time trying to justify why it's worth doing. And you'll end up prostituting yourself or using yourself and using your life in that way. And there won't be any meaning in it. And and, and so if you do what on the other side is success is being clear about who I am and what I'm committed to and what I want, and that could be a that could be objects that could be a number in the bank that could be those things it's also we know we know it's not mystery anymore all their research now about 95 year olds that are dying and they re- they talk to them it's relational connections that's what matters it's it's what kind of difference they made in the life of somebody else that's what matters so if i'm honest with myself then i'm probably going to throttle back from what culture asks me begs me incentivizes me to go pursue which is more superficial short-term wins and do the longer term legacy move which Mm -hmm. is much more working on myself becoming the man I want to be the guy that I like when I'm looking in the mirror and then treating other people in a way that they get that Um, and then you know becoming this ever-evolving person which is you know that's where for me, that's where meaning comes out and vitality comes out and like the love of life comes out. I actually want what I got, you know, which is a gratitude conversation. I used to have I've got a watch in my closet that has these three letters on it, because when it was one of Allie's first gifts to me and she put the three letters in the back because I used to write them on my hand. I used to every morning I used to write these three letters on my hand. It was G.H.G. And. I did this when I was going through a really dark period of my life and putting my life back together. And I thought, what are the anchors that are going to make me put together, that are going to invite me, I guess, or give me a way through whatever chaos I'm facing um, to generate a worthy day? Hmm. And those three GHG, grateful, honest, and generous. And if I'm grateful, like I want what I've got, I'll start with this. I'm not in denial. I'm not in, in, in rejection or rebellion of what I've got, whatever I have now, God must want me to have here. It is for me and I'm grateful for it. And I can actually see it in a way that's like, wow, I can cherish something. If I'm not grateful, I definitely won't cherish and everybody, everybody wants to be cherished. And if I cherish something, I'm going to treat it with respect, all that I'm honest like that, like dealing with like honest with other people, but really honest with ourselves, like most folks are pretty honest with others. We could talk about that for five hours, if that's true or not, Mm -hmm. but pretty honest with others. But how much do we often give up on our own calling, our own commitments, you know, what we really need, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, especially those that are kind of other-centered like myself, like yourself. We can Mm -hmm. play the martyr really easily. I did it for a decade of my life um, and justify all that. But it's like I'm not really there because I'm trying to play a role in life. And then just generous. I mean, generous people everybody wants to be around. And if I if I let loose of all the things I hold sacred, actually they come back to me in a multitude. So anyway. So I, 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 I
2: just have written down more questions that just from you talking about. It's like, shoot, Adrian, I got so many questions. The great. Uh, but I, I want I want to um I want to pause on that for a second, just the definition of success. I'm going to assume that your definition of success, you personally, it's changed throughout the years, right? Like when you were younger, professionally, it was probably, okay, accumulation of stuff, climbing a ladder, you know, professionally, whatever it might be. And then was there a moment that you said, you know what, That, that stuff yes, it's nice to have and it's cool and it's good, but it isn't the driving focus anymore. The driving focus now is, is being honest. Like you just said, was yeah. there a moment in your life where things change and you said, you know what, it's not
0: about this. It's about this. Yeah. That's a great question. I think for me, I mean, I think the honest answer for me is I don't know if I was person number one, I, I, um, partially cause I'm odd. Um, partially because how I was raised, I was raised in a very service oriented family and raised in like a faith background, mm-hmm. um, part of which I kept part of which I haven't kept. Um, so I was always really others focused and really service oriented, you know, even career wise, I, I wasn't in college saying, you know, how do I get a job to make a bunch of money, it just didn't occur to me. I mean, partially it wasn't modeled for me, my parents were both public school teachers for 35 years, and they their legacy was relational impact, which they've done very well. Mm-hmm still doing to this day um so i wasn't the let me chase the green guy i can i can understand it um i know though my version of that was i was always like pursuing the epic i would say you know it was kind of like living for the story about my life Mm. and put together a pretty cool highlight reel because of that like did a lot traveled a lot helped a lot it was in very odd you know my best man at my wedding recently was telling some of those stories which nobody knows about because I don't talk about them anymore but it's like very interesting neat odd conglomeration of things and I was I was doing it but I wasn't really there Hmm. meaning like I was doing the thing because I thought it would be really cool but I was always like it's a little bit not too far off from the Instagram culture of today. This is before all that happened, where people are like living, you know, let me make let me go do that thing. And I'm doing that thing so I can post about it later. Yep. Like before all that happened, I was definitely in that mindset, um, part, partially anyway. Um, what shifted for me um, and what it continually like shifts for me, because I can even still get lost in it. Is really being this will sound cliche um the way that i say it but i'll say it because it's common vernacular and culture like really being present um that shifted for me when did it shift for me when all when things fell apart when the previous construct when the house of cards fell down right because i had a bunch of very impressive stuff going on um but was really empty you know and once I got clear and dealt with my own shit that I was dealing with at the time and had to rebuild a life and lost a lot of relational collateral about it around it and needed to rebuild a life. I was realizing I'm not going to rebuild anything unless I really want it. And I don't know if I want it unless I'm really with it. Mm. So how do I build the life I want now versus a life that looks good? Mm. Two very different games, you know? Um, And I was very well acquainted with despair. I mean, when you have um, very impressive stories about things, but not enlivening experience, it feels like despair because people think it's awesome, but you actually weren't there for it and you didn't have it. And it can't stay. So you're kind of chasing these highs and that ends up hitting us like despair. It's why, it's why we know now social media is actually bad for our soul because it trains us to be dopamine, you know, um, addicts. Mm -hmm. And so we're always searching for the next high. If I can sit and with my daughter, while she shows me what she's been watching on YouTube and love it and love her in it. And it's, You know, of all the things to spend my time doing, I could do a bunch of other stuff, but if I could actually enjoy this moment and not be all driven and neurotic and trying to put together a day and blah, 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 trying to do 15 things in 10 slots like I can easily do, I can slow down and really appreciate what's here, um, then I've actually got a life. So, Anyway, that's the, the moment was about six years ago when I started like rebuilding a life and asking myself some of these deeper questions and running a bunch of experiments on how to do that. Um, that's when it really shifted for me. So loss, I mean, the, the, yeah. an, the short answer to that really long answer is yeah. extreme loss <laughs> woke me up to what I really wanted. Would you say that's true
2: for a lot of the clients that you because you're in the space of coaching the space of leadership you a lot of high executive executives high performing driven people is that a common thread that you see that there there becomes this point in their life personally or professionally I'm going to assume personally but I could be wrong where they kind of hit almost a wall or maybe it's a rock bottom or something significant happens where they start to go on this process of questioning and exploration and discovery and it leads them into this Whole different path is that is that is loss. I guess the your short answer is that common among what you see on your clients as well.
0: Yes, it it can be right where like everything's working in the the business side of things, but they're you know they lose a they lose a spouse, they lose a kid, um, or you know kid goes sideways or like that. Sometimes that does the trick for them. Um, Routinely, it doesn't because we're human beings and we'd rather be right. Then, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, that's the brain just doing what it does. Um, it also, though, it happens where with a lot of clients where they've been pursuing something for a long time and it's really become a part of their identity. Like, you know, they they they're ramping up, they scale, they sell the company. And then after that, you know, it's like after you win the Super Bowl, the hardest day for football players that Monday, mm-hmm. like who like because it's identity crisis. Like, who am I now? like I don't know who I am I was this guy with that with that brand next to me and now I'm just a guy and I haven't thought about I haven't built a whole 360 degree view of my life so it's just been aimed at one thing and now that one thing even though it's successful and I got a lot of money in the bank successful I don't know who I am anymore which is I think really thrilling most of them not very (laughs) thrilling um but understandably so So, I mean, and even my wife has been through that, you know, she built a business and sold it. And like, who am I now Mm. Um, when we met that? It just that it just happened. So, um, yeah, I think that's, you know, any kind of deep transition uh, can bring up that type of. Oh, I guess despair is the word maybe, but um, it's a deep wondering and most we're not that good at wondering anymore. Yeah. You know, no, we're very solution oriented people. We're very driven folks. That's what gives you kudos in culture. And, um, you know, we don't wonder. Mm. And we don't have a lot. And, and typically, because, I don't know, generationally speaking, you know, but they, everybody was very, you know, we've gone through a lot of wars, right? And people get really rigid in their parenting style over time. And, I could walk through this in in some deeper detail, but, you know, we haven't, especially speaking to men that are listening to a lot of this, we get championed for our achievements Mm. and, and don't really definitely not modeled or told how to deal with our internal life. So um, to our detriment. Um, And I can tell stories about how that's so, um, but because people don't, aren't generating and dealing with their internal life. They just end up dealing with the external few layers. And whenever anything fails, most of us are at least are in some kind of guilt conversation, but it goes beyond that because we haven't dealt with, and nobody showed us how to differentiate between me and my performance. So we wear it like shame. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like something's wrong with me instead of I did something that didn't work. That's a pretty, those are two universes. I did yeah. something that didn't work or I'm a piece of shit. Those are two very different worlds. Most of us default to the I'm a piece of shit conversation or you're a piece of shit. Something's wrong with you or the situation, but something's wrong instead of, oh, there's something to be learned here. I wonder what's going on here for me. And beneath the surface, you're saying. beneath the sur- That's right. Yeah. There's there's some, I'm in, like, I wonder what's really going on here and what's to be learned and how can I integrate this instead of you know, label it in some kind of psychological assessment and then keep it if I like it, reject it if I don't, you know, we're not really, we're coming into hopefully now this generation of men, hopefully we're doing a much better job at integrating these things and it'll show up in our parenting. And then we've got the next generation that will be better than we are, Yeah, which I want it to be, you know, it's like talking with my kids about my own struggles is going to be a joy of mine only because shit, I wish I had it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess back to the point is um, as as. People deal with this high performance shows up like pressure and I am what I do instead of I am what I am. You know, mm, that kind of that's like, that's I, good. like, like I am yeah. period like yeah. I am is enough. Yeah. What I'm committed to is enough. And if I'm committed, some great stuff's gonna happen. Most hmm. people don't think about it that way. They think I am what I do, or I am what I have. And those are empty lies. They don't yeah. work, or they, we become slaves to them. And most people walk around like slaves. Like they have to do this, or they don't really exist. They wouldn't say it that extremely, but that's really how they feel. Yeah. Like, I, like my identity is contingent upon what I'm doing and what I accumulate.
2: Let's dig into this a little bit more. This is a fascinating topic. So you, you deal with your work is, uh, with a lot of high performing individuals, yeah. founders, uh, just doing some, some really impressive things, maybe some things that most people might think would be scary. Uh, maybe yeah. dealing with, with failure, uh, like you had just mentioned, but yeah. if we were to, if we were to kind of dissect, um, a dissect a hard, hard charging driven high performing person, What does some of that internal infrastructure look like? Like, how are they just a little bit different? uh, Whether they're wired different, whether they've had to work on different skills or muscles, or what? What? How? How are they different than than maybe someone who is not that way?
0: Well, if you're going to perform at a really high level, most of the time, and I'll, I'll say, I'll say before we start, I start working with them, but maybe this was happening some before as well. But I think at a default setting. What works to generate world-class results is obsession, mm. you know? So they were like really an obsessed class, right? They, that's is what they eat and drink and think about and dream about and are concerned about and they're kicking the dog about. And it's like, everything is really about generate like making this thing happen and they're really obsessed with it. And that's why there's like a lot of psychological attachment you would say between themselves as a human yep. and this thing as an entity like they're really it's 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 they are you know and they would say that even proudly like i am mm-hmm. this brand and it's definitely been uh champion that way in culture um so that's the first thing that comes to mind is they're really obsessed about it now out of that obsession they they tend to be really opinionated Um, especially because if it got to some level of success, they had to at least experiment with and make a lot of like millions of decisions around shaping the brand and the strategy and dealing with other very smart people that had maybe opposite views, but they had to stand up and really, you know, be willing to die on most of the Hills. Mm. And so they and with that they tend to be very defensive you know where it's like the thing is really precious and it makes sense why it's precious because they've sacrificed for it. anything we sacrifice for we cherish typically so if i've sacrificed for it and i see and we say it in our work all the time most possibilities first show themselves to us as threats most possibilities first show themselves to us as threats right so a lot of founders that I'm working with, when they when they bring on high-end, talented people that are as smart as they are, are even smarter than they are around certain domains. They're really skeptical of them, yeah, yeah, you know, and really touchy around them. And I'm there, they start to assume a lot of things about mixed, yeah. you know, ambitions and mixed agendas, and yeah. um, so they tend to be they tend to be really defensive. Mm. Um, and that way, a lot of folks in, end up and I'm making a caricature. Not everybody's like this. Yeah. They can really be fragile because of that, mm-hmm. meaning like easily offended. Yeah. And, um, you know, it very much drawing sides, my team, not my team, that kind of thing. Instead of you know, a lot of our work with people is is training them how to have we call these vital conversations, which is like essentially how to produce possibility out of conflict. You know, so if I have something there's a conflict conversation, there are lots of ways to generate possibility. As human beings, we typically don't do that. We typically go in with an opinion and an agenda and try to force somebody <laughs> else to my you know. Yeah, I'm listening. Can we I'm get your listening wife? On, into, can yeah. we get your wife in here? Can we <laughs> I'm listening but people are like this I'm listening but I'm only
2: listening for my chance to say what I want to say I'm not actually listening because of what you have to say and try to understand I got something I got to say oh that's that's really good you really you pulled the thread there Um, yeah Okay, let's go on this topic of obsession. This leads perfectly into something I like to talk about or at least share my thoughts on. But when someone might be obsessed with something, and I get it, like when you when you create and you're a founder of something, you are obsessed about it. Does that obsession lead to um what people the vernacular is a work life balance? So kind of what do you see within that space w- within clients, and maybe what are, what are your personal views on it? and uh, you know, yeah. to add a third question to it, how do you approach that in in your household and in your life and because you're you're doing your stuff and your wife is doing her stuff and there's four kids, and so is yeah. balance a thing? But I'd love to just maybe talk about this topic for a while,
0: yeah. Well, I reject balance, first off, I guess, to start out with some controversy. Mm -hmm. Um, Meaning that there's not a lot of resource for me in balance, only because even mathematically, it doesn't work out. Philosophically, it doesn't work out either. I mean, balance is made of there is a set amount of X, and how do we keep it even? Mm -hmm. That's what balance is about. So if that sets up the zero-sum game, so if I'm committed at work, that means if it's balanced, that means I'm if I'm more committed at work, then I'm less committed at home. If I'm more committed at home, then I'm less committed at work. And this is this teeter totter. And, and and if you set that up for yourself, you can't win it. But if you're if you have uh, natural promises in any other domain, like a spouse, you've got some inherent promises, they might not be spoken they might be inherent like there's promises of the office we would call it like as a husband there are lots of promises uh that come with the role of husband as you and I are Mm -hmm. so um like spending time with my wife that's like an inherent promise now how much time and what do we do with that time those are conversations we could have most people don't and they don't orient themselves around expectations and so you've got a uh, probably very different worldview about what you want and what you think you have to offer and what she wants and what she thinks she deserves. Yep. And so you're at odds already out yep. of the gate. So I don't talk about balance only because I don't think it works as well. Um, I know why it's romantic. I mean, I would call it romantic. Like it's, it's, it sounds great. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to operationalize. So I don't use that. I actually aim people at work-life integration. That's the word I use, which yeah. is how do we integrate? How do the how that's the it's a question? Like, how do I put these things together in a way that everybody wins?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so I'll just give an example. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Um, with my kids. Like my kids don't ever say, Dad's going to work. Dad's going on a work trip. And there's nothing wrong if they do. I'm just saying why I don't talk to them about it like this. I don't say, Oh, I'm leaving which they're sad about Mm -hmm. um, because we love each other. I'm leaving because, because of work. And so it's like, Oh, my sadness is because of your work. I don't want them to orient themselves to work that way. I don't, I want, so I'm saying, Oh, dad's going to go on a trip to go meet other moms and dads that are doing X Mm. or trying to be better leaders. Daddy's going to go help leaders become more effective and become better moms and dads and better teammates. That's what I'm going to go do. I love you. This is really important. I can't wait till you're old enough to come with me. Mm. I say things like that. So if you ask them what I, what, what, if you ask my son, Scout, who's eight, what do I do for work? Oh, I help leaders get better. That's what dad does. Dad helps leaders get better, which I think is just cooler than like dad goes to work, which means nothing except for work is bad. Yeah. Um, So that's a way to integrate. I want them to get that they are going to sacrifice for me to go do what I do but I also do what I do. So we can go to six flags yesterday and go to get the fast pass. And I can spend a freaking million dollars at six flags. <laughs> it's worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. yeah, It's worth it. But it's, yeah, you know, it's anyway, so I'm always trying to integrate all those things where they get it. Like they're a, they're a part yeah. of a system. They're not the focus of the system.
2: Yeah. that's a really good re- reframe or frame for people to, to understand. Cal knows that I, I take people out to have more fun in their life, so that's what my son knows, and like, that's right pretty, on, it's pretty cool. And I'm gonna take him with someday. It's, it's a lot yeah, of
0: fun. Yeah, right on. I dig it, man. And same, yeah. you know, same around spousal relationships. You know, it's like I, I, my evenings are sacred. My my weekends are sacred. I rarely ever do any work on them, mm. um, just because I want to enjoy myself and have free time um, and invest in my family. But then at times, you know, even this weekend, I'd you know somebody coming over. We got this event coming up and we you know they were hanging out playing madden on tv um which is great because dad's doing this but i want to talk with them about it um or even with my spouse like hey tonight instead of watching x show or talking about it i need to take this phone call and here's why it's important Mm -hmm. and i take the time i don't want to be entitled to i do what i want to get in line which is what most people do they're or even what i can do it's like i I can just let somebody know what I'm doing or I can enroll them in what I'm doing and why it also helps them, mm. Mm. you know, or why yeah. it's like, or I just need this. I need this time. Yep. Um, yep. You know, and make asks It's just, it's, it's more vulnerable to have the real conversation integration takes more conversation yeah. than kind of this semi disappointed balance game. That yeah. Well, how do you then, so,
2: so when, when you got founders that are obsessed, that obsession can quickly lead yeah. to just actually putting a lot of time and hours in and all of a sudden, you know, they're doing some work at the dinner table and then after the dinner and on the weekends, cause there's a lot of work to do. So yeah. how, how do you, how can someone who is high performing and driven and charged and all that stuff, how do you help them or, or what are some thoughts around avoiding this whole topic of burnout? Cause it just kind of feels like Burnout is all over the place. It has been for the last several years. There's a lot of people that are truly burning out. And I would imagine if you looked at different types of people, founders could be a danger for that because of this obsession, which this typically leads to a lot of physical work hours. So what are some thoughts around, around maybe healthy obsession with work?
0: Yeah. Well, the image that comes to mind, and I'm connecting also this conversation to the previous one. Yep um just because you're talking about like like working at the at the dinner table yep um we're rarely burned out where we're finding meaning so usually we're burned out where we're just doing something to get some goal instead of actually enjoying the process and you don't always get that benefit it's not always like that we know work feels like work at times and blah 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 but People feel burnt out when they have disconnected, but it seems like they're there. Mm -hmm. So they've lost or they've given up or or they're just not even talking about it. Most of the folks, I mean, the whole old adage of like, it's lonely at the top. It's only lonely because I haven't let anybody in recently. So like playing this game, which is really natural, is like playing this game of this is what I have to do instead of like, oh, I'm not doing so well. I need some, I need somebody, I mean, typically I'm like that guy, uh, for at least the first one in to that conversation with someone that's like really on the verge of either they're about to blow something up, yep. you know, thinking of a client right now, when I started working with him, he started a very world renowned business and I sat down with him. It was a matchmaking thing. He was a founder of the company and a CTO at the company. And there was a new CEO and he said, Hey, would you sit down with this guy? And I I did. And didn't know how it was going to go and he's a world-class engineer and in the first conversation he was honest he's like i started this thing and i feel like i'm i'll never forget the phrase i feel like i'm strangling the baby i feel like i'm killing it like you know and he hadn't told any he said that with tears in his eyes and this is like probably not a very emotionally driven guy but in that conversation something was happening where he's like there's something he, uh, you know we always say like feelings are just thoughts trapped in the body. Like we all need to get language around sensations we have. And let me get back to your question. People feel burnout when they feel really unseen. And they feel like they're going through a struggle. Nobody else knows. And they don't see an end point, you know, so it's easier to burn out. I mean, we should talk about what burnout is even, but um because it's a common phrase now that means lots of things to lots of people and it's very socially acceptable to be burnout like if i'm burnout they're like oh well i can't ask you any more questions okay we're fine oh you're burnout okay good fine i'll leave you alone you know and people don't really explore what's really going on because burnout is a symptom of lots of other things which i'm pointing out some of the other things that could be happening for people but it's usually loneliness it's usually disconnection it's usually you know I always say for myself, I always need a lot more help than I want. Hmm. Hmm. So not asking for help, not sharing the load. Most every leader I start with, they're doing, they're doing 10 times the amount of things that they actually should be doing. They just haven't built trust with their team, which takes a lot more vulnerability and a lot more communication. They quote unquote, never have the time to do it. Um, So there's lots of symptoms of things if they wanted to, I mean, I think burnout's a strategy. Like if you know, if, I, if it's, there's a socially acceptable eject button, burnout is now that one, right? Because yeah. I can just say I'm burnout and they're like, oh, yeah, I read about that in the New York Times. I get it. Okay, see ya. You know, instead of like, really, right up there was they,
2: self-care. They,
0: hey, right up there was self-care. self-care. Oh, yeah, yeah self-care. Don't, don't get me started. <laughs> don't get me started on self-care. Anyway, I want people to be healthy and I want them to be honest. Yes. I just don't want them to be not avoided. manipulation. Don't manipulate it you know, that's yeah, it. Just don't be like, don't be like selfish and avoidant, which is yes. typically what self-care is. I need to go, I need to go away and go on a mountain and go figure out, no, you know, the answer right now, man. Yeah. Like, you know, quit faking it. Like you yeah. just know the answer and yeah. you just, you're scared. I get it. You're just uh, yep. uh, bleep. There's a word I would use right there. You're just scared. You know, you're just a coward. Welcome to the club, man. We yeah. all are. Yeah. Let's get over it. You know you you know you feel like a fraud. Well, you are one. Me too.
2: Yeah, same. Let's um, just deal. Let's talk about the disconnection because I think we might um I want to talk to I know some listeners probably feel this disconnection from work, yeah. right? Maybe there's no heart there. There's no there's no alignment. It's just not something's not right, but they've been doing it for I don't know eight, ten, fifteen years. And they're at their, this point in their life. I hit this as well. It's You hit it a couple of times where you you came upon this point and you pivoted. And, and based yeah. on what you had said earlier, the pivots were hard. It wasn't like a, a natural linear progression through your professional career. It was a bit of a a squiggly line. But let's yeah. talk to someone who has that disconnection and is not connecting with their work and they're stuck, they don't know what to do, yeah. what, would, what would be the first thing that that person could, could try and do to, to maybe help them start this next chapter in their life, this pivot, this 2.0 or 3.0 for that
0: matter? Yeah. Yeah. Well, i was just think about a call I had with a guy yesterday. He's a, what is he? The global head of brand partnerships at a very well-known Fortune 10 company. Mm-hmm. And on a conversation, I had never met him before. He was referred to by an old client of mine that works at a different company. Um, and you know, he came on with me and like telling me. I could tell he was telling me the same story he'd told a million people. Yeah, yeah. So I sometimes I didn't say this to him yesterday, but I'm like, are you tired of that story yet? That's what I sometimes <laughs> say to people, which is like you know, entertaining at least. We'll see where they go. um <laughs> But it's also true. It's like you know, play the record, man, about how hard your life is. Like I get it. You you know, you've got to whatever. So let me let me stay on your question. How do you? So what's going on for people um, when they need to pivot and they feel a lack of purpose? So they feel like you know, it's like golden handcuffs potentially. Yes. or a lot of their identity was XYZ and they can't imagine if they pivoted and what people would think. I mean, most, most people aren't that, aren't willing to get really acquainted with what's at stake that they're actually scared of. So they're scared of like leaving the thing, but then that's the easy one to talk about, but really you know, they're usually scared of failure, which is natural. It's like built into us. You know, the human brain, number one priority is survival. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're responsible for a bunch of people like a family uh, or a team or whatever, like, you know, it's good to be cautious and thoughtful, you know, analyzing all the potential pitfalls. Mm-hmm. That's called wisdom. Um, but most people are just they don't believe in themselves anymore, mostly because they've lied to themselves for a good while. You know, most confidence comes out of telling myself the truth. Like if I'm telling myself the truth, I actually am confident. If I haven't told myself the truth and have been justifying some kind of other existence, then I actually, I might look confident or be articulate or act, you know, have some swagger. But that's not real confidence. I mean, confidence comes when people are willing to put all their chips on the table. Mm -hmm. That's how we know. Mm-hmm. If you're actually confident that I've got what it takes to make this work, if it works and make this work, if it doesn't work, I'm, I'm the secret sauce, not my circumstances. Which is, a, you could talk about that for an hour and a half. What does it mean yeah. if I'm the secret sauce and not my circumstances? But yeah. anyway, we'll stay on point. Yeah. The, you know, most, anyway, most people aren't aware of like really what they're, what they're um, conflicted about like in that conversation yesterday the guy was telling me what he wanted um well he wasn't telling me what he wanted he told me about how complex and titillating his circumstances are and i was just asking him so what do you really want man what do you want and he didn't really know and that's normal meaning like confusion is a very safe strategy Mm. you know and most people like i don't know i don't know is code for i'd rather not know yeah because, you know, we never really know, even if we think we know, we've just got a projection that feels right. Because the future is always an imagined state. Anyway, we don't know anything, we don't know what's going to happen 15 minutes from now. But we admitted, you know, I imagine, you know, we're going to be doing whatever we're going to be doing this afternoon. And that's going to work out for us. And okay, good, I can keep hanging out in this conversation. But anyway, most folks Anytime they don't know something, it's they'd rather not know something. That's a pretty counterintuitive view, but it there's payoffs to not knowing. I don't have to do anything. I'm mm-hmm. not at stake if I don't know. If I it's know safe. something, it's yeah, safe. that's right. It's yeah. safe. It protects, number one. And I get to be justified yeah. and join the legacy of people who have had spineless experiences, you know, or not taking the risks, you know, yeah. I haven't stepped out and like made it really count. And we buy the boat or we buy the whatever, and we make it ourselves feel good about it. Not that all boat buyers are there to avoid their existence, whatever. I'm just saying, I'm saying there's things we do to deal with the despair of possibility. I would call it where I'm like, think I want something, but not willing to orient reality towards it. I call that the despair of possibility Mm -hmm. where it's, where it's, it sounds good to always be almost doing something. Mm -hmm. And it lets the, it lets the pressure off. Like if I can, if I'm at a cocktail party and somebody's saying, Hey, what's going on? You're like, well, I'm thinking about doing this thing. And people are like, Oh, that sounds really cool. I don't actually ever do it, but it feels really good in the moment. And I get the accolades for it. I just don't ever take the risk. And so there's a deeper despair that's happening because I know in my heart of hearts, I'm not doing the thing. Mm. So, you know, getting real, putting a point on it, like most folks don't. It, you know aren't really real with themselves and and this is, i'm not sell, i'm not selling something i haven't smoked before i've been here and done it so i get it and it's usually takes it takes there's an old quote that i probably won't get it right but it's an old heidegger quote heidegger was this philosopher and he said transformation takes on the appearance of violence to the everyday interpretation and it's and it's tranquilized obviousness that's the mm-hmm. quote meaning like If I get real, it's actually violent to my previous interpretation of what's going on. That's a pretty heady idea. But I've got to put my arms around how much of a coward I am. We call it hugging the cactus. Like if I get real about how much of a coward I would rather be, if I could get the life I wanted while being a coward, I'd take it. Mm -hmm. I just can't. I can't get the life I want by being a coward. I can't. It takes courage to build the life I want. That's an unfortunate reality that I think is gravity. I mean, some people get lucky or whatever, but most of us don't. We got to take courageous action, which shows up like fearless action, but it's not fearless. It's full of fear. Any venture I take is full. Now I'm preaching now. Sorry about this. But any any action I take that's worth that's worth something will involve fear, period. Mm. Otherwise, I'm not doing anything that's really that worthy. I would say.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. I I want to be respectful of your time. I know we're coming up the top of the hour and I think that might have been a really good wake-up call for people to to maybe take some good inventory and to get real. (laughs) Sorry, guys. No, no, no. (laughs) I think that, that was a beautiful way to kind of tie it up and I want to just give you a chance here now at the end to just share kind of things that are coming up for you and in your business, what you're excited about, uh, how people can connect with you and this message of, of being woken up a little bit and being shaken a little bit. And so what's the best way for, for, for them to do that number one, and then what's coming up for you that you're really excited about?
0: Well, thank you. Um, You know, I, why I love my work is that I get to connect with um, people that are giving their lives to something that's going to make a difference mm. it, you know, in all different areas of life. Um, and they're really throwing themselves at making it count, mm. making their own, you know, so any, anytime I get to connect with anybody that's in those categories, I'd love to do that. So anybody listening, you can find me um, on Instagram, Adrian.K on Instagram. I'd love to connect with anybody and just be of service and help and, um, trust me I'm not this intense in a first conversation I'm a lot to, you know ask a lot more questions I come off a lot sweeter <laughs> um, I was an old pastor many years ago so anyway yeah. I can do the sweet thing Yeah. Um, the um, anyway so I'd love to connect with anybody adrian.k on Instagram the um, we've got a couple of things coming up so I it probably great so take new ground is my leadership uh, consulting and training and coaching firm so if anybody's got a business And as a founder, this is, we focus on founders. We love entrepreneurial people. We do some corporate work like at Nike and, and, um, other big kind of, you know, Hyperloop was one of them and you got bigger, you know, companies, larger scale companies, but we really love working with founders as they are doing the very challenging Mm -hmm. task of recruiting people to a team and integrating, generating culture and, and, um, uh, helping to build a team out. We call it effective leadership. By like getting, like generating new results, leading a team well, leading like self-mastery, um, a lot of our conversation has been focused on that conversation. Mm-hmm. So any anybody that's got a company that wants to talk around what's going on, what they want to see happening in the gap between that future state and what's happening, what's happening now, I do that on a daily basis. I love it. Um, so it's practical um, in that regard. But we come at things very relational, so watch out um a couple of events that come to mind one is we've we have a, a curated room for founders called the impact series um we're opening it up into a new way we've usually been just mastermindy about 20 people in a room for a two-day experience we've done it three times this way um, big impact for people, all different sizes of companies. Some people precede, some people that are, you know, I've got 10 employees, 20 employees looking to scale, that type of stuff. I bring in my whole team that are, are experts in very di- distinct fields in business development. Um, this this The next one's going to come up October 15th. I think by the time this comes out, the website will be updated. It's impact.takenewground.com, impact.takenewground.com. And we're gonna do it here in LA where we live. Um, so if you're interested in that, I just shot the promo video for it yesterday. One of my favorite things we do, which is special to us, is an, is an experience called the Revenant process. Revenant like coming back. Um, because every, all of us have aspects of our lives that aren't working. We just do, and it, every, all of us. And, and, and if, if we don't, then probably we've given up. Like it just can't get any better. It's fair to um, say. We, You know, we've just got resignation around it. Mm-hmm. So any place you're resigned, that just means you haven't yet, you know, rejuvenated that part of your life. So um, what do you do? So we pull together a, a group, usually around 30, 35 leaders in a room. It's a four day experience. I call it the boot camp for the soul because it's a pretty deep room. Um, it's very experiential. It's not like me lecturing all day long. That would be boring even to myself. It's very exercise based. It's not historical it's not therapy but people say it's like 10 years of therapy in a weekend Mm -hmm. so it's all future based and how do i actually how do i actually live with integrity now which is a pretty big idea and which is like how do i have my word live my word like the whole like what is success being honest like so you're going to get a lot of feedback in that room which is frightening for most people Mm -hmm. and if it's frightening to you then your life is small as about as big as you're willing to get feedback about so if you want to learn how to like be in community with others you better you know be willing to be seen and be vulnerable about it yeah. so it's a powerful room and it's uh it's me and my, one of my business partners that co-lead it his name is dan takini dan's been doing this for 40 years he's probably the best in the world at this cool. um he says there's one other guy that's better than him the guy that mentored him but i doubt it um anyway so come uh, that's the Revenant process. That's going to be in LA first weekend in November. That website is wearevenant.com, mm-hmm. like the movie, wearevenant.com. So if you're interested in that, come check it out. Uh, it, we keep it really affordable just to, just so people don't continue to blame money for anything. It's only like a couple grand, uh, which is a steal. Um, mm-hmm. But whenever we've whenever we've surveyed, we did a survey a few years ago of people and their experience we asked them where it ranked in their life and and 92 percent of those that came put in the top three experiences of their life so there it is um so come and we'll talk to you about it see if it's the right fit for you and all that kind of stuff this isn't a sales pitch but it is an invitation because i it it changed i went i went through it 15 years ago and it opened up fresh conversations for me um so anyway So thanks for asking, Matt.
2: Yeah, I'll put all those links in the show notes so that the the listener can just grab a one-click and go. Last question. It's a fun one. It's a a complete curveball. I think you're going to appreciate it, though. That's great. If you had to give a TED Talk on Uh something that you're not very well known for, what would you like to talk about?
0: Wow. TED Talk of something that's true for me Mm -hmm. that I'm good at or blah, blah, blah that I'm not really well known for for. yep that is a curveball um wow wow yeah well i just found myself saying wow twice so maybe i would do a (laughs) ted talk about wonder i said it earlier I like that. Wouldn't that be fun? Wonder? It's like why, why our lives suck is because we've given up on awe. Ah, that's so
2: good. That is, hey, that is one of the better ones I have ever heard. Wander in awe. That is, hey, off the top of the mind, just a curveball. That's really good. Thanks, man. I, i'm pretty I,
0: competitive so when you say it's like one of the best you've heard i appreciate that man it's i thank you thank you yeah well we'll um, see you on the
2: golf course i think so
0: we're gonna put something together and get you all golfing so i seems. hope so man and you know can i say one more thing yeah just yeah. just as a free resource for people yeah we've got a podcast as well just mm-hmm. if you want to get connected to how we approach business and life and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff it's called the naked leadership podcast i want to make sure people hear about it just so, you know if they listen to this all the way through and didn't turn me off early, um, you know, check out the Naked Leadership Podcast. It is what the name is. We talk cool. about the real shit straight up, you know, and if if, if leaders get real, the world gets better. Oh, so. that's, that's
2: really good. Hey, Adrian, I've really appreciated this conversation. I've enjoyed it. I got a couple pages of notes myself. So. Thanks for taking the time. It's been great to get to know you. We've got a a dear mutual friend. So this this has been fun to connect. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much.
0: Kyle, love your presence, man. Love your service to folks.
1: All right, my friends, if you enjoyed this episode and Kyle's way of being, please go to Reaching Beyond on Apple Podcasts. Leave him a five-star rating and a glowing review. Keep listening to his podcast. He has high achievers. People are up to big things every single week. I just think what he's doing is amazing. So I would love for you to go over there and just let him know what a good job you thought he did on this interview. Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, Would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye, everybody.